peace, truth, spirituality, healing, holistic health, aliens, ancient history, plant medicine, mysticism. If these words excite you, you're in the right place. Here, we seek to dig deep into all these topics and more. You, me and my guests together. Welcome to the Enlighten with Alex podcast. So, welcome back everyone to the Enlighten with Alex podcast with myself, Alex. Today I've got a very special guest called Michael Harrell. Uh, this is a guy I've followed for about four or five years, just on social media. I'm not sure how it came about, but I really liked all of his content. Um, so yeah, he's a deeply spiritual guy. I'm wary about <clears throat> having people on who are into like, the supernatural and the very spiritual, because <clears throat> it's very subjective. Because I've followed him such a long time and I've seen him predict a lot of things, <laughs> like, I just think he's a legit, straight-up guy. I'm really into his stuff. I really wanted to get him on. So, welcome, Michael. Hello, friends and family. So, yeah. so, yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of glad uh, to be on your show because you've, I've watched your YouTube channel. You know, if not everything, but a bunch of them. And you have some really quality people on there. And I'm just hoping that I kind of reach up to uh, that level. Now, I already know from our conversation the other day, you definitely will. <laughs> so, yeah, you're obviously the founder of Language Lessons of the Heart. And, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your kind of history? That's a, that's kind of a big topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my history. Uh, well, I'm infinite, immortal, and what was never created. Start there. The ground of being is absolute inclusivity and unconditional love. Consciousness is the feeling of energy. Yeah? So, none of us are created. We're all infinite and immortal, and therefore we can't actually be wounded. But what we are is energy beings, and what I am is an energy being. You, the microphone is an energy being, the chair, the earth, the air is an energy being, because that's pretty much all that there is, is an energy being. And, um, But we have this human life, you know, that there's this uh, saying in the Bible, ye are gods, and ye are children of the Most High. So there's that kind of bifurcation of both God and child of God. So the, I kind of go along with that idea. But for me, um, I was, my mother and father had an argument while when when I was just you know announced that I was going to be coming into this world and uh my father was drinking at the time and he started yelling at my mother about kids and too many kids and if this kid's not a, ch a boy I'm going to leave you and where we were, where I was, you know, where she was living at the time was out in um, 
in Corpus Christi, Texas, which is, was a really small, tiny town at, the, at that time, on the on the edge of a, on the end of a dirt road, with a house that had no screens in it, and and uh, she had uh, two others. I had two sisters. It was like about uh, maybe three and five, I think, at the time. And she like flipped out. She had a so the her whole pregnancy with me was one of fear and regret and rejection and right. So that was my gestation. And then when I was born, my mom went into complete um, psychic meltdown and she started uh, hallucinating and uh, you know, so it was just too much for her. this whole nine months or eight months of worry and concerned and she couldn't have a job. She couldn't take care of her family and all this kind of stuff. It's going to get, you know, it's just too much for her. So she was out of the picture for at least six months and they gave her electric shock therapy and stuff like that. So basically I was born in the midst of uh, such emotional turmoil you know, that's, that was imprinted onto me. So mm. I was like a crib baby. My aunt who lived uh, a few blocks away would come and feed me and change my diapers and stuff like that. And my two little sisters, my dad was work. So basically the first six months of my life, I was a crib baby. And um, that, that has some consequences later on in life. Um, and, and that was what you would, you would call that was my primal emotional wound that later in life I had to face. But, but you know, and when it comes to trauma, they say uh, fight or flight, fight or flight, freeze or fawn, right? And I was one of those people who was just frozen. I just didn't, I didn't talk, I didn't cry, I didn't create problems. I was just completely withdrawn because I had this, it was imprinted on me that my mother's problems was because of me. I mean, it was pretty clear on a, that's what was on a pretty deep subconscious level, but I didn't know about any of this stuff until I hit my forties. You know what I mean? I didn't even know this was going on. It was all very I, suppressed I just, before then. Huh? Was it all very suppressed before then? It wasn't suppressed. It was just unknown. I mean, you don't know what's going on. Like, like do you know what was going on between your mother and father, what your mother's state was when you, or you're no it's not something you know you have to dig you have to dig later in life and find out about that stuff it doesn't it's not self-evident and even with investigation it's you know so i was pretty lucky in some ways because um well anyway i had that, that this whole thing of not being able to crawl when babies crawl when you crawl you go like this yeah and with your knees and stuff right your knees you call like that. And that's actually what gets your hemisphere of your left brain and right brain connected really strong. And people who don't crawl become dyslexic. Okay. Dyslexia is caused from, from crib babies and from not having not having your left brain and right brain working properly. So most of my young life I was pretty much in my right brain, just kind of like in a in a daze, very quiet. But uh, so that kind of affected my childhood and I was like something wrong with me, you know, and developed a world-class bad self-image. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
but I was so I was also graced because uh, I'm not I'm not sure why, but um, when I was about 20 years old, I met an enlightened guy, full blown enlightened man, and I uh, had no clue what that was. I was a redneck guy. I was a carpenter and um, that kind of semi hippie kind of a guy. And uh, here I meet the I meet this guy who's fully full blown and light. I met him in Coconut Grove Park in 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 Florida, and um, that guy he was so powerful he blew the transmission out of my car, blew all the seals out of the transmission out of the car. I mean, and uh, and then for two weeks, for two weeks. Uh, like when I was going to a day of junior college, I was going to a junior college at the time. As I was driving to the college, I could hear what people were thinking from two miles away when they were reading their books in the library. You know, when people read a book and they think, so I was, I'd hear all these mumblings going on, right? And then, uh, but that guy changed my life because I thought, oh, look, there's, there's enlightenment. What the hell is that? And and uh, I was driving around in my mind. I was driving around like in this little Volkswagen, you know, and then this guy is getting a 747 flying, you know what I mean? It's like, it was just the giganticness of just being next to that guy. How did he uh, become enlightened, this guy? Um, he said he knew since he was born that this was his lifetime to become enlightened. Mm -hmm. And he had some friends out in California and they... Um, he said, let me go out and stay with your cat in your cabin for a while. Just be with nature. And the cabin didn't have any electricity or water or anything. So uh, it was just one day he was going down to the creek to get some, some water. And he said, this light hit him on top of the head. And then uh, after about an hour, he passed out. And then um, when he woke up, it was in the evening. And the light was still inside of him and never left. So, wasn't that? I mean, that's kind of dramatic, but I suppose it would be. Um, what was it like to be in his presence? Because people say like they've normally just got such a amazing aura around them. And like, I had no clue. I was like, you know, still smoking a little pot and drinking my little beer and. You know, I think I had at that time had I had done some LSD and mushrooms and stuff, and but uh, but my consciousness was not uh, not going that way. But but after after meeting that guy, I thought that's what I want. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't just that I could hear people talk from two miles away, and that lasted for about three to six weeks, something like that. But if I went close to somebody. Like if you know you get, when you stand close to one of your friends or you're kind of in that space, yeah. I could see from birth to death their whole life, which is like what kind of like in the Kashic record. And there's all the events in you know, birth or childhood friends and schools and then the first girlfriend and then marriage and kids and then all the way up to death. And um, how was that to process? Just Think huh? because how was that to process? Because it sounds quite overwhelming, in a way. You would think, but it's actually at the same time it feels natural. Like watching a movie, pretty much feels natural, except what you see on the screen is you go, uh, uh, "Wow," you know, and then you go, 
then later on you say that's just a movie you just incorporate it no matter if it was a sci-fi or some kind of wild movie it's just it's a natural just to see it so i was seeing this thing and and also they didn't last and i would just go on about my life but i was imprinted with this idea of that there's a light inside of you and then i went on and met like four different enlightened men right he was one of them met another man named Sri Chimoy. And um, he gave a talk and his whole talk was just him sitting on stage in, in Samadhi. And then he had this ability to project light out of his eyes. It didn't look like, it wasn't like a flashlight. It wasn't until he looked directly at you that you could see that there was light coming out of his eyes. And what you're actually seeing is inside of him, there was no man there. There was no soul there. There was just light, you know, like you can see into my eyes or I could see into your eyes and there's a soul there. There's a being, there's a consciousness. He was gone. <laughs> that was him. And I met Muktananda. Muktananda was a pretty interesting guy. And then I met uh, Primal Wat. Primal Wat is, uh, was at the time was a living perfect master and he ended up being my guru. And then uh, I received his initiation and uh, did Kriya Yoga. Was that the initiation, the, the yoga? What's that? Now, what did the initiation involve? Or was it, was it the yoga? Was that the initiation? The initiation is the guru, no matter where he is in time and space, the guru, and he had, and he, he had Mahatmas because this guy had like about a million followers that he inherited from his father. But what the guru does is the guru connects to his life force energy, to his samadhi energy, right? And then he transmits that over to the Mahatma. And, and then the, when the Mahatma touches you, right? Wherever he touches you, right? It doesn't really matter because it's an energy thing. It's not really a physical thing. When he touches you, it pours in energy into you. And it pours in energy at the frequency and then the location of where that energy resides inside you. And it feels exactly like cool water being poured inside of you, except it's pure life force energy and it goes inside of you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you meditate on. And then you have these, the processes, the, you know, you have like four different meditation techniques and the processes, you know, so you have light, music, nectar and holy name uh, those are the four meditation techniques yeah so i did that for like 13 years when i started because i understood because i had met this enlightened guy when i first started doing meditation i was working full time and i still did six hours of meditation a day wow that's impressive in, yeah. in the morning huh all in the morning, or did you do a bit in the morning? I did two in the morning, two right when I got home from work, and then uh, two at night, two, four, six. Nice. Did I get up and work? Crazy. As a, Crazy. As a well, you, you can do that kind of stuff when you're young and you're, you know, your mid twenties and stuff. And uh, but that didn't last. That didn't last for that long because life got in the way and went down to. Uh, two hours a day and then then it went down for most of the time of those 
13 or 14 years, it was an hour a day. Still, but, and I, and I, and I actually, uh, you know, attained God realization, which means that you, you, you meditate and then ever, this is not something you do. It's something that does you right. So if you sit in, if you sit there long enough, light going to come the bliss or something's going to come. And this is, it's like, it comes when it wants to come. Like, you know, you don't have, you have zero control over it. And then you, go into that enlightened state and then you pop back out or you see the light and pop back out. Yeah. Sounds amazing. And yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's good stuff because, because what happens when you meditate, uh, you're not engaged in your mind so much. Mm. Your mind's still there, but that's not your focus. And what, so that just that alone is kind of a good thing. Because uh, mine's kind of very divisive. Yeah, I, I know. I know what you mean. Like when I first started meditating, I couldn't believe how like floaty I felt afterwards. Yeah, it's kind of like just felt in a natural flow state rather than just stuck up here stressing about what to do next. Yeah. But now, oh, anyway. But one of the things about the meditation is I ran out of gas, you know, after, like I said, 12 years or so. So the last couple of years, there's no, you know what I mean? It's like from my, this is my whole life to, to, I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Because, and, and then the reason for that was because of my birth and childhood was I had a world-class bad self-image. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Uh, old, you know, but I, and I was grasping that God could love me because God had to love everybody. So my whole 13 years was an attempt to become in God's grace and to be the best that I could be and to be worthy of love and uh, and that, and which is what most people who meditator trying to reach but it's really a spiritual bypass from facing your pain yeah yeah so that's why that's why you can't you can't uh there's so many gurus that are assholes is because they got their god realization but they didn't take care of their dark night of the soul yeah there's plenty of flips plenty of them that are good they're not usury. They're not. They don't have issues. They don't. They're authentic and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's not a guarantee. And you know what? The only thing that is a guarantee is taking care of the dark night of your soul. So that's what happened to me. Is, uh, what you're kind of saying is, rather than you know looking outwards like God, please love me. Um, you started going inwards and finding out how to love and heal yourself. Um, yeah, because in a way, when you do meditation on on your breath or you do meditation on on your whatever whatever your technique is, 
it's not really about yourself. You're trying to achieve something. You're trying to reach for something. You're trying to attain something. You're trying to be something. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the last, me- last formal meditation I did, um, I think it was like in 1990 somewhere, is I just went out and sat underneath a tree. And uh, the feeling that I had was, was absolute not give a fuck. I did not care, and the, and the amount of authentically not caring, I could not meet not meet now. I can't meet. I couldn't meet that level of, mm-hmm. I don't care, you know. And so I'm sitting there meditating, and um, basically that space in between falling asleep, I wasn't really even trying to meditate. I could care less about the perfect process or the the. F- focus my I didn't care about any of that stuff right you let go I didn't even let go because I to let go I would have had to care to let go it's just don't care you know it's you know and it wasn't with a grudge it was just like it, it was kissing zero interest zero value zero anything then what happened was I was looking you know my eyes were closed and all of a sudden the top of my head like when you close your eyes you see the top of your head is dark uh unless you've got a lot of meditation or something but most people you look up and you're inside your head it's dark or fuzzy or just like little stuff floating right in there but when i so i was sitting there leaning up against the tree you know nodding off and you know and the whole universe appeared on top of my head and uh that was pretty cool Sounds this, is before, this is before I started doing my healing work. This is, this is what I'm, I'm doing. This is all is like a really long, aggrandized pre- preface of why language less is the heart so kick ass. It's because I was coming from this place to that place, and I had some really good concentration. But anyway, so I had this this universe inside my head, and the universe talked to me and said, uh, "This is your universe." So I thought, cool, I don't care. You know, all right, that's cool. I did not care at all. Mm-hmm. And then I look, but, but I did look around. I was like, you know, I'd look up and I'd go, well, there's no Orion's belt. There's no Big Dipper. This is not that this is not this universe or from this universe, from this earth perspective. And I just sat there and I just let the thing be there. And um, then another voice came along and said, uh, would, like, would like you to be the God of this universe. And I sat there and I go, not caring at all. So this is a state of not completely not caring, not one shred, not one tiny bit. And there was a kind of a clarity there. And I was thinking, well, Whoever's staffing the gods of universes must have done a shitty job to become to come and ask me, ask me to be the god of this universe. They're like, how bad how bad could that other god been? <laughs> and then I'm thinking, you know, this uh, human resources for God, by the human resources that would you know that, that, that fills the position for God. How incompetent can those guys be? 
right? I said, no, thanks. You know, uh, you know, somebody else. Declined. Huh? Respectfully decline their offer. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, this sounds fishy. Uh, you know. However, that didn't exactly get me off the hook because from then on for about, again, another six weeks or so, as I like, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking out my eyes, right? But simultaneously, I see this entire universe inside of my head. And so everywhere I went, there was a universe. There was this, there's this two, two locations. There's the, there's this a universe that I carried around inside of my head. And then there was, you know, I was at that time, I was a cabinet guy, a cabinet maker. We made kitchens and stuff and worked on the cruise ships and stuff. So I was doing, I'd, I'd be doing these things in the mundane world while I had carried this universe inside my head. And, and finally it get, got, it got to me because of, because of my bad self-image. My, my whole identity was based upon not being worthy, not good enough, not as good as the next guy and all this kind of stuff. Right. Mm. And um, I finally had to ask it to go because it conflicted with that bad self image because how could somebody who's completely unworthy have their own universe, be the God of their own universe. Mm -hmm. And at the same time being completely unworthy and everybody's better than me and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so like what kind of practices and stuff did you do to heal that and turn that around? Just told to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, that was pretty significant. That was pretty significant teaching. I mean, I, I, because I'm talking about it now, there was deeply, it, that was a kind of a teaching, okay? Like if you do meditation and you get into the place where you go, oh God, it's all about love. All there is is love, right? You get into that feeling of all there is is love. Well, all there is is love is like a 40-year realization. Four years later, you're going to get it again. And oh my God, all there is is love. And then another level of, oh, all there is, oh, and, and it's all there is is love. You know what I'm saying? Well, that was like what this was. Yeah. It, 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 you know, I'm still talking about it now because, it, you know, the, of the meaning and impl implications of it. It's exactly what happened to me the first night I did ayahuasca. And uh, I took a little book in there with me. And there was like three or four pages that just said, God is love. And everyone I didn't like or things like that, in that moment, <clears throat> I just loved them. I was like, well, they're only that way because of this, because of their trauma. And it was just kind of like working all that out. And it was quite a liberating feeling, really. And like unconditional love for myself, because obviously we can beat ourselves up, can't we? Yeah. So anyway, then, then uh, like after that last meditation um i started having this dark night of the soul you know i had a girlfriend and she had two houses in ireland and the house that i lived in at the time in uh florida and um such so and her, her family was rich and you know so i've been to i spent this the same 13 years spent my summers in Ireland and uh, in Cork, out in West Cork, it's real pretty out there. And um, so she left me, the cat left me, I lost my job. And, and it's like, how could a saint 
you know this is my thing you know how could a saint how could a holy man have all this shit happen to him you know what i mean and uh and i really had no clue because my whole life was about meditation and spirituality and all that kind of stuff I had no no clue about the emotional body no clue about repressed feelings i had no clue about any of that stuff and you know as in that every hero's journey they have the wise woman and a wise woman came up to me and said michael you're completely out of touch with your emotional body and i said what's that <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, my my girlfriend at the time, so for twelve years, um, that was pretty. It's kind of like being uh, the baggage handler for the rich and famous. Is kind of what it was. And uh, then I had another girlfriend who was royalty, and so I had all these things. Right? It's like, well, how can this stuff be happening to me? And and then. Um, that was back in the time of primal therapy. So I, I did some primal therapy and I took some acting classes and, and, um, and uh, whatever I was doing, reading books and stuff. And I learned about how to go in and connect to my pain and express my pain. Um, and later on, I, I did a workshop. I, I actually taught a workshop. It took a while, it took a couple of years, like three years to to go access my pain, feel my pain, embrace my pain, right? And, and express it. There's a lot of screaming involved. Uh, in, in my opinion, you're not really gonna get rid of your pain without emotional expression. That's just not gonna happen. We're born crying and we start dying when we stop crying. Yeah, know, you can't, go ahead. Um, I know you're a big Osho fan and he, um, created the dynamic meditation, which starts with a lot of that, doesn't it? Kind of just let it. Yeah, and before it was that, it was called the chaotic meditation. Okay. Yeah, that guy was pretty much on the ball. And at the same time, I was, you know, the follower of the perfect living, perfect master at the time. I knew some of those guys, and they had the same kind of bliss, and maybe even better than I did. So I was like, I was trying to like, be superior because that was i was inferior so i i, I got the guru to be so i could be superior and here these guys were you know doing some good things too yeah he was a in his own way he was a holy man because he let people work their shit out and then under the umbrella of of um of spirituality and in the end they like like they lost the guru they lost this and you know they, they just lost their illusions of spirituality and all that crap is just gone whereas, whereas i had to go through the whole 13 years then get the dark night of the soul and then you see and then like let go of all that stuff right yeah. so we i got this i ended up in the same place that they did it just took longer so that guy was a genius and uh, even and he just let people work out their their traumas and dramas and their fantasies and their power trips and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, looking back on it, it was hilarious. That guy was brilliant, you know. I love him and to beats. He was he was Tantra. He was in the Tantra, which is opposite the opposite of Kriya. Mm -hmm. Kriya is light and Tantra is down here, right? So Yeah, what I like about Osho is mainstream religions very much like, you know. Ten Commandments, things like that. Like, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. Whereas he was a lot more kind of 
about being sovereign and finding it within yourself kind of thing he was more here again you know you have you have the human being has four parts spirit heart will is in your belly and then your physical body right and each one has a yoga hatha yoga is body body and breath right then there's kriya yoga is for your your light it's like light music nectar and holy name but it's all kind of all can be done up here in the on the heart up mostly but um tantra is all is about the emotionals and kundalini and power and power breathing and and uh, and pulling up the energy and stuff like that and it's also deep feminine it's about lust and and desire and, and passion and power and life so but that's where emotional healing comes from. It's down there. Your emotional body is in your belly, and that's where the tantra is. That's why he was, you know, in some ways ahead of the game because people need you need to clear all that stuff out before you can do any healing. So, um, I don't know if, if that explains enough of the background of of what it is. What a language lessons of the heart is is I took this thirteen years of concentration, really good concentration. And I focused in on what was going on inside of me. What was the steps? What was the steps that happened to, for me to become wounded? And then what were the steps that I did to heal? So language lessons of the heart is like the enlightened man's healing process. But I, you know, I teach it pretty clean. I don't tell anybody about this whole God stuff and all like I don't do any of that stuff. I just say this is you do this and it works basically because i don't want to be involved with their karma i don't want to hear their story i don't want to hear you know it's not mine it's not it's not for me to coach you or to prompt you other people want to do that that's completely you know fine it's wonderful and it's a community and all that stuff helpful and needed but i understand about karma as soon as you tell people to do this or that um, and they believe in you then you've just taken their power and when you take their power uh that's abuse mm. you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so anyway it works really good i have four processes um emotional release judgment denial release um what, what are they? talking to the parts of self Talking to the parts of self is really kick ass because, like I said, we have four parts of self, spirit, heart, will, and body. And they are the ones who record and hold your discord, your trauma and drama. And we don't talk to them. So when you talk to them, then you can have this incredible heartfelt mentoring and compassion, self-compassion, self-love and working things out. You know what I mean? So that's really good. And then that, there's judgment denial release, which is your beliefs, you know, like I'm not good enough is a judgment. Yeah? And that has consequences. That means if something good happens to you, you might not even acknowledge it. Right? Yeah, you, you're blocked Because out. you're not good enough, you know, you're not good enough to even acknowledge that, that good things can happen to you. Or, for example, I'm not worthy of love. That's a judgment. Mm. But if you leave that judgment there, 
what does that do to your love life? You're not love. You're not worthy of love from God. You're not worthy of love from your kids. You're not worthy of love from your mate. You're not worthy of love from, you know, your boss. You, you know what I'm saying? It just you're not worthy of sexual love or, you know, I mean, this is what what the effect of judgments have on you is just like devastating, you know. And then if you, a judgment is like in the court of law, right? The judge says i accuse you of not being worthy and i find you what i find you guilty, guilty. Mm. right a judgment implies guilt and guilt demands a sacrifice the yeah. judgment implies guilt and guilt demands a sacrifice so the sacrifice is you're not allowed love you can't feel good about yourself you you know you have to struggle to make things work or everything that you wanted to do turns to shit right yeah that's that's the sacrifice you pay on the altar of guilt because of the judgments so that's the words that you say that you know toxic stinking thinking and rotten languages right yeah. and, and so you there's a there's a whole process of how to change that you know it's just it, it is basically you install a, a an editing software into yourself of how to recognize accept release replace right that's really really powerful so yeah. you like a lot of um mantras or affirmations and self-talk then is that part of the process the only the only one i have is i have i have a uh, three um empowerments and one is i'm empowering myself with a strong and loving intent to heal my will will you help me because what you're healing when you do emotional healing is your will spirit heart will and body will is your emotional body it's also your seat of power the deep feminine you want the mind to understand and the heart to understand that you're here to heal the will and if mama's not happy nobody's happy so the empowerment is i'm empowering myself with a strong and loving intent to heal my will. And the next line is, will you help me? Okay, and then I want to be fulfilled. Will you help me? When that's you say, a, who you help me, who are you talking to, yourself or God? That's a good one. Let me get to that. Uh, I want to be fulfilled. Will you help me? And what was the other one? I want to live. Will you help me? Well, that gets back to... Um, the ground of being. The ground of being is absolute inclusivity and unconditional love. Right? Wounding happens because of absolute exclusivity and conditional love. Mama did this to me and it hurt. That's exclusive. Daddy did this. And, and and I'm ashamed or I'm blamed or whatever, right? That's exclusive. And you can't ask your mom to heal. You can't ask your dad to heal. So what? So you ask the tree, you ask the sun, you ask the spirits, you ask your neighbors, you ask your boss, you know, you ask the archetypes, you ask the whoever, the angels, the gods, the right? You ask them to help, right? Because absolute inclusivity and unconditional love. So you, instead of making it 
exclusive. You just spread out your possibilities for being nurtured and, and cared for or comforted. You spread it out. Yeah. That's really important because it's, it's not you against the other world. The whole world's here to help you. Is the world is the world kind is is the world kind and loving, or is the world shunning and shaming? Yeah, because whatever your trauma, whatever your trauma happens to be, you create a world in there, right? Yeah, a world of pain, a world of suffering, a world of inadequacy, a world of shame, a world of regrets, a world of fear, a world of anger, a world of you see. You then, see what I'm saying? And then Jimmy. And so what you're doing with the empowerment is you're empowering the world to be helpful and loving and kind and right. Will you help me? I'm I'm going I'm healing now. Will you help me? Yeah. So yeah, is it kind of like law of attraction where you're going from attracting more pain, more hate, and whatnot, and shifting that to being open and attracting love and being in harmony with with people. It, it, it is it is uh, in, in kind of a roundabout good way it, it, think of it this way this is this is why i, I recommend people do this ten thousand times that's like a hundred times a day for like three months right because the average number of times that a child gets told no in their lifetime you ever heard of that one no i haven't it's very off the average time a child is told no, according to certain surveys, is around 56,000 times. But it's the time they're born to the time they're 18. So that's a lot of no programming. And what you're really saying no to is the will. You know, so pick up your bicycle, don't leave it down. Uh, go take out the garbage, do this, do that, right? No, you can't do that. You can't stay up late. No, you got to clean. You can't do that. Stop working, running around naked. Don't touch yourself. Do this. Stop making banging. Stop making noise. On and on and on and on and on it goes. It adds up over 18 years. So to say, I'm empowering myself with a strong and loving intent to hear my will. Will you help me? 10,000 times. Just it counter, it counter balances. You know, and what you what you what as when you're little, you're all will. You don't have logic. You don't have any of that kind of stuff. You're just feeling and expressing and 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 running around and learning and right? don't touch this. Don't put that in your mouth. Don't you know all that kind of negative stuff. So anyway, that that really helps. There's the empowerment. Then there's emotion release, and then a judgment and denial release, and talking to parts of the self, and to learn these things um you'll absolutely heal yeah um just going back to what you were saying have you seen the film yes man with jim carrey oh yeah when well, he's a lawyer he can only say yes or something like no what well, he's not a lawyer what is he he's a i think he's a an accountant maybe something like that Gonna have a little bit of editing to do. Them because. So yeah, guys. Uh, sorry about that. We had some internet problems. Well, I have. Um, I'm just talking about the film Yes Man because it's got like a kind of boringish job, office job that he hates. Well, I remember it now, and then, and uh, he's, somehow he gets hooked into having to say yes to everything, and then 
and then so he ends up going beyond all these adventures and yeah uh, because he says no to everything before that and it just reminded me of it because maybe in his childhood he was always told no 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 and that's manif manifested in his adulthood i know it's a film character but you see that happen in life okay then um if you have any questions or because there's a a lot of ground I'd like to cover, but we'll we'll see if I can fit it in with what you want to talk about. Yeah, I've got a few more questions, if that's all right, if you've got time. I've got hours. Yeah, because I, I actually wanted to talk about the um, beginning of the universe and how that's important to what's happening now. And so all this other stuff is pretty much groundwork. Well, yeah, that ties in perfectly with my next question. So if you, if you don't mind, I just want to introduce it this way, because um, like I said, I followed you for four or five years. And then a couple of years later, I thought I want to message you because you had a lot of great ideas and you talked about different predictions and stuff. And uh, the world, people forget because of the mess we're in now that how bad it still was a couple of years ago. And I kind of said, where do you see the future heading? And you're like, oh, if you think it's bad now, wait till the next seven years. We're going to go through a very difficult time, which has obviously happened. Um, so, yeah, do you want to talk about, uh, yeah, the, the history and where you see us going in the future? Well, where we are right now is the end of the age of Kali Yuga, which is interesting. Kali Yuga is supposed to be ending at 2025. <coughs> and... Um, Do you know about the story of Kali uh, of Kali and I've heard little bits it's like uh, is it like the breath and moving into the different ages like the bronze silver gold age right and we we're, we're coming we're in this the is, bronze age are we and we're moving we're into... in the iron age which is the darkest age okay yeah um the whole story about that is is uh, and why that seems uh, there's this guy, uh, what is it, Shiva. Shiva has a devotee, right? Yeah. And devotee loves him, and, you know, there have been long-term relationships, his best devotee. And the devotee says, I want to have ask a boon, right? And Shiva is like somewhere between a Christ and a, and a God, you know, Brahma or something. He's like really up there, right? So he says, I'd like, to, I'd like a boon, a gift. And he said, I, I, my gift is that I can't be killed on heaven and earth. I can't be killed by this or that, you know, that's a, and, uh, and uh, so Shiva says, okay, you know, and then this guy goes off, right? And he's still a devotee of, of Shiva, and, but he starts getting darker and darker because he knows he can't be killed and he can't have any, any consequences. And he becomes a demon lord, a demon king. And he gathers up a demon army and he wrecks havoc on the world. And then they're raping and pillaging and eating and suffering and torturing and all this kind of horrible stuff. I don't know if this sounds like today or not. Mm, right? Yeah. So there's Shiva. And Shiva had a, a, a wife named Durga, Durgaji, right? And Durgaji was the epitome of the loving mother goddess. 
she was the most loving, most kind, but she was also a, a warrior kind of, right? So they had this demon war, right? There was the, the, all these demons were attacking all the people of the, of the, of the Godhead. And uh, so Durga gathers up all the women, the goddesses and, you know, and uh, all the different kind of goddesses that there were. And they went off to fight. I mean, first, first it was Shiva who f tried to fight all the demons, but because of the demon, because he made the demon king, every time he'd kill all the demons, then the, then the demon king would bring them back to life. And it was like all that kind of mess. It was a mess, right? I know. So then, yeah, so then Durga gets in there and she starts to try to kill all the demons. And it was like elephants and rhinoceros and people riding in on tigers. And, you know, it was like a real, it's a real mess, right? And then, um, okay. And then, no, but nobody could, could kill this demon king. It was just too much, right? It's too much. So Durga, the most loving motherly, it was so there were all her kids and she was suffering and she was angry and she was pissed off. And out of her third eye projects out her rage. And her rage manifested in the form of Kali. And Kali was dark, black. She's the darkness of space. And her body had stars on it, okay? So she's the darkness of space. And her dress was severed arms. Severed arms. She had a, a little dress of severed arms. And she had a necklace of skulls. I think, yeah, I think I've seen the image somewhere. Right. And then she has these four arms and she's like going to kill him. She's going to kill the, uh, the, the, uh, the demon king. So that goes on on fights. She deals, but she, she's, her actual aspect is time. So um, Durga gets off of her uh leopard or her her uh, her lion or whatever she's riding and and then then she projects uh kali and kali is is the manifestation of the ra of rage from the mother's love so the demons went and were drinking the blood of the children right and and made the children into the, into the demon army right and it was that poison blood that happened. So eventually she kills the, uh, the demon king by cutting off his head. His, his, his magic was if a drop of his blood fell on the ground, another demon would form. So you couldn't kill him, right? So what she did is she cut off his head and then put a bowl under his head so it would drip into this bowl. And then she drank... She took the and and, uh, and Rudolf, Rudolf Steiner. Uh, thoughts are electric, and feelings are are uh, thought. Thought is of the nerve, and feelings of is of the blood. So the will is of the blood. But when you drink the blood or or your blood relations, that's that's the will. That's the great mother. That's the energy. That's the emotional connection. So anyway, 
she's raging and this and she she's just a destroyer of worlds because she's in her aspect of time everything falls to time mountains fall to time oceans dry up everything is you know subject to time it disintegrates so then uh then shiva has to lay down prostrate behind underneath her to stop her raging because uh kali was the aspect of durga's love and so when she stepped on shiva she remembered the love for she had for shiva and then she kind of snapped snapped out of it that's what's go, that's what's going on I, I don't know if you noticed but this whole plot is so much like what's going on right now you know what i mean and down to adrenochrome and all that kind of stuff you know i mean drinking baby's blood and demons and you know what i'm saying and then preying on children and abducting children and you see what i'm saying yeah it's satanic it's ritual and all that satanic demonic yeah anyway so th that's what's happening now is uh is um you know, Kali's, you know, around doing her thing. That's why I'm saying it may not be completely finished until 2025, but we're right in the middle of the, you know, bringing, bringing the children back, you know, bringing the, you know, stop the importing, the, the, the drug, it, the blood drinking stuff. But the whole point of all this, and it wasn't just Kali, okay? When you go to the Ramayana, the Ramayana was this big war between the good and evil, right? And it involved demons and and uh, and the Sasquatch-looking uh, people who were uh, Hanuman, right? And that whole thing going on. And I don't know if you noticed, but we've got Sasquatch all over the United States, and everybody's got Sasquatch groups, and you don't know, you don't have that. And you have Sasquatch in, in the UK, Sasquatch in Ireland. Anyway, I think that's funny. And then you go, this whole demon war thing, right? Then you go to Buddha. Mm -hmm. And remember how, what was going on with Buddha in that story under the tree. You remember what happened there? I'm not sure. So he's sitting there, this guy's, you could see every bone in his body because he was in austerity and, you know, he'd given up on life and given up on trying, right? So he's just underneath this tree and, and he's like, he's going to just die, right? Or reach enlightenment. And as he's like read, just on the verge of reaching enlightenment or dying, uh, this demon king comes to him and starts talking to him and offering him girls and offering him this wealth and offering him all this kind of stuff. And, and, um, all the worldly possessions and comforts and all this kind of stuff. So he's having this whole confrontation with the demon, right? And uh, eventually says, no, you know, I am here, I'm me. And he says, earth is my witness. This, he's, connect, he's sitting on the earth, sitting against the tree, sitting on the earth, connects to the earth and says, I'm here, you know, because of the earth, I'm here. I'm here because of the earth. And he kind of reached enlightenment and then the demons went away and when he awoke, all of the Earth's creatures awoke with him, which was pretty cool. Yeah. But it was still a demon conflict. Mm -hmm. Then you go to Bhagavad Gita, right? And Bhagavad Gita, 
uh, is a story of a war between families, the demons in your own family, right? And so the whole Bhagavad Gita is about the moral approach to why, you know, or all the reasons why you should kill your family. You know what I mean? Because they stole the woman, they stole the girl and whatever. Then you go to, to Christ, right? And Christ said, they say, I come in peace. And he says, I come with a sword. I come to pit my picture, the father against the son and the daughter against the mother and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Right? With a sword, he says, you have to kill him, right? So, what I'm talking, what we're talking about is emotion release. What we're talking about is a struggle with the self. What we're talking about is the hero's journey. What we're talking about is to make the world right because our our world that we have out here is the world that we carry in here, right? Like overcoming the darkness that lives within us, or is that what you mean? Absolutely, mm. absolutely, and 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 you do that by. A lot of screaming and shouting and killing, killing and cutting off heads and stuff like that. And that's what I teach, right? Met metaphorically, of course. <laughs> no, imaginarily. Yeah. It's absolutely not metaphor, but it's it's imaginary. Yeah. So, which is what a memory is. A memory is the imagination of what happened in the past based on facts, right? So that's that's what I teach. And so that's why it's so powerful. Now let's talk about what healing, what what a wound is, what is what is an actual wound? You ever heard of? You ever thought about that? Not deeply, not the word yeah. itself for what it is. Well, what what a wound is? All wounding, all adversity, childhood problems, anything, girlfriends, whatever, is undischarged traumatic stress. Undischarged traumatic stress. Hurt, pain, guilt, shame, sorrow, grief. It's all undischarged traumatic stress. The results of the fight or flight, the results of, you know, of, of abuse, neglect, uh, mental abuse, mental neglect, physical abuse, physical neglect, uh, alcohol, drugs, fights and different kinds of incarceration. These are the things that cause tr trauma, right? From the parent to the child. So the word undischarged. So what is a charge? Charge is like, a, it's like a recording. It's just like a, a, a battery. Mm. It's like a, it's like a battery recording. It's like a holding of holding of energy. A charge is a holding of energy, and you have to discharge that. You can't talk to it. You can't think about it. You can't analyze it. You can't change. You can't pretend it. You can't sage it. You can't crystallize it. You can't eat it. You know what I mean? You can't eat it away. You can't yoga it. Mm. You have to discharge it. If you don't discharge it, you know. So think of us. Think of us as like recording devices. The Akashic records. Remember that guy that I would get up the time and you and you saw this 
the the uh, the life review right from birth to death the life review that's your record that's where the recording is and somewhere in the early childhood you have a recording of this shame and this wound and this neglect and this abandonment right you have these charges that becomes a recording of an image that create that becomes an, a nation inside you so you have an image nation imagination inside of you and this image nation is what's called a principality right which is biblical if you wanted to go biblical so you have a principality and these principalities make up your world Kali is destroyer of worlds you know what I'm saying? It's not this world. It is this world yeah. where the demons dwell, the parental demons, the bullies who bullied you, the, the people who shamed you. They, they are the demons of your inner world. And unless you confront them and discharge that scenario, you become the hero in that hero's journey. And the first the hero starts off being crushed and he loses his girl. He loses his dream. And then he has to build up his his skills, right? And learn from the wise ones and go on little quests and stuff and then builds up this energy and then he fights the dragon or he fights the demon. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then he discharges his charge. He dis discharges his traumatic stress. He wins, becomes the hero, becomes the king of his kingdom, which is inside. The kingdom is inside. And he clears out what is he clears out is this image nation, which is the principalities of his world. And then he becomes sovereign. And that gets you back to where I started at the beginning, which was, we are gods and we are children of the most high. But the next line in the Bible goes, and yet you die as a prince. To die as a prince means you have never discharged your enemies mm. and you've never received your kingship you have never become a king of your own kingdom you never become the god of your universe inner, inner universe yeah so when you yes, talk uh, about chopping off heads you mean uh killing your trauma basically in a way yeah well there's your father the mother the abuser out in the 3d world and they get imprinted into you and you carry with them. So you carry them and they formulate your worldview. The world is hard. The world is abusive. I have to be afraid or I'm going to be raped and hurt. And, you know, I'm going to be rejected. And right. That's your worldview. So when you go in and there and you kill, here's what you have to do. You have to kill the abuser kill his mother, his father, his grandparents, kill his, his town, kill his country, destroy his world by blowing up that whole world. And then you find the God that created that world and you kill him. That's a God killer, right? Yeah. And in that way, you can see the whole world, the whole scenario that was created inside of you is cleared out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you just do it as many as usually you don't only have to do this a few times before you actually get it when your emotional body gets it that what's bothering the emotional body is the recording of 
the events, the recording is the discharge, is the, is the charge, right? When you discharge the charge, it's gone. Like it never happened. Flat tire on your car, and it's a, it's a big problem. As soon as you change the tire on the car and you start driving again, it's like it never happened. That's what real healing is. When, when you have real healing, nothing happens. Nothing. No, there's no relief. There's no gratitude. There's no, it's nothing. You're just back into living mode again. But without the regrets and the fears and the anxieties and the suppressions and suppressions and the, yeah, you don't have any of that stuff. Just like you don't have a flat tire anymore. Who cares? You know what I mean? You'd be happy for a day or two, but then you're, then you're driving your car, then you're living your life. Nothing happens. Right? Yeah, I love that way you've explained it. Makes it easy for anyone to kind of understand. And, uh... and it's not easy. This whole thing is not easy. But it all bases, it's all based on healing your will. And until you get to know that you will, and you like, think of it this way, what your will is, what, what, a, what a wound is, is a child who has been shocked, cut, beaten, abused, and starved. And she is residing within inside of you in that state, unaddressed, unacknowledged, unembraced, unhelped, unloved. And as soon as you understand that your job is to love that child back into strength and wholeness and beauty and grace by your act of compassion of reaching down into your past and into your inner child and embracing her and bringing her back to life is birth is birth, death and resurrection of your will. As soon as you understand that you're healing your will, and your will is what holds this recording. Your will is what holds your pain for you. Because when you were little, this pain was too much. So it had to go down into repression called denial so that you could play with your friends and go to school and whatever, right? And if it's too much, you bifurcate. Your mind splits in fragments. And the numbers are... Drum roll, please. The numbers are right now in the United States is around 66% of everybody has traumatic stress. That means that that means that they're taking psychoactive drugs for for you know fibromyalgia, for depression, for anxiety, for panic attacks, for for uh, you know not being able to sleep or sleeping too much and uh you know all this it's like millions of different drugs that they can be taken or they're binge drinkers you know they're the good old guys they're binge drinkers right and that was they, me they, they, long they time. during the week and then they at night at weekend they just block themselves out this is 66 percent right we're in in this pandemic of emotional of undischarged traumatic stress is worse than than the uh, than the COVID thing, really. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. So, yeah, on that topic, we've talked about the past. What do you think will happen come, say, two thousand and twenty-five? Do you think like these power structures and whatever will sort of dissolve? 
and start to bring in a new world or how do you see it playing out? Uh, I'm not really sure. In the end, we win. Because remember, going back to the beginning of our conversation, we're infinite and immortal and what was never created. We are energy beings. So all this stuff that's happening is a movie and it's a recording and it's recording onto us for lessons or whatever, right? <clears throat> so we can't actually be wounded. We can't actually be permanently damaged. It's like if you have like a tape recorder, remember they all have the old tape recorders where you play music on a tape recorder as a tape rolls around. You can damage the tape. You can, you can uh, erase it or it can get old or it can get worn out, but you just put in a new tape and it's good, right? You, you can't actually hurt it. It's tape. It's just recording on a, it's a re recording on dust on a little piece of film. That's all it is. All this stuff is, you know what I mean? So it's, a, which is important to know. And it's also important to know that we come from absolute inclusivity and unconditional love. So that's where we're headed, right? Anything that is exclusive is less than that, right? Anything that is conditional love is less than that. And we're kind of learning that uh, in, a, in a grandiose way that uh, you have to be inclusive because uh, in reality, there's, there is no you and me. There's only me, you know, there's only one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Sufis say, are you God in hiding when they meet each other? Two Sufis meet each other and say, are you God in hiding? See, don't they say that kind of in uh, Hindu texts that God lives with inside you. Yeah. So does, so does Christian text. Mm. Here's a Sufi prayer. You want to hear a Sufi prayer? Yeah. Love to. I love myself. I honor myself. I kneel to myself and I worship myself for I know God dwells within me as me. Beautiful. Can you repeat that one? I, my memory is no good. <laughs> Let me try it again. Let's do one sentence at a time. I love myself. I love myself. I honor myself. Honor myself. I kneel to myself. I kneel to myself. And I worship myself. And I worship myself. For I know God dwells within me as me. For I know God dwells within me as me. That's, um, so you take that prayer and you put it over to the uh, Sufi welcome. When they, when they see each other, one says to the other, are you God in hiding? And the other one doesn't answer because there's only one God. Mm. So you just, there's only one, there's no two. No, which brings us which brings us which brings us to um the god barrier we have a god barrier and that is we we put god outside of ourselves right and then we worship god 
we'll put the devil outside of ourselves and we're afraid of the devil. Yeah. Or we put God outside of ourselves and we reach for God. We put enlightenment outside of ourselves and we reach for enlightenment. We put peace outside of ourselves and that's something that we reach for. And we have, and this externalization of these goals is a barrier to reaching the goals. This is the problem with um, you know, with the law of attraction. And, and this is what the law of attraction is based on. There is no external, there is no future. There is no goal. And if you have a goal, you have a future, you have it external, then you're never going to reach it. It has to be now, the feeling of now. Right? So in the beginning, in the beginning, before there was matter, before there was matter, there was just a void. What they call the void, and one of the one of the definitions of the void was chaos. So what? you look in the darkness of space with no stars, and in that there was this stuff called chaos. And what the chaos was, um, was the great mother of everything. It was darkness and stillness, but inside of her there was yearnings and churnings and wonderings and reachings, willings, wishings and wants. So this is on a vast scale with no locate, with no central location and no consciousness because consciousness is the feeling of energy. And because this stuff wasn't, didn't have energy, it had wants and wishes and, and wills and uh, contraries. And, and so there's, there's, move, there's stillness and movement when you have stillness and movements, that's what creates energy, right? Think of a generator. Mm. Generator has magnets that don't move. And then you take a coil and spin it around, right? Inside this magnetic field, and the magnetic is representatives of will, wish, and want. And the will is our emotional body, right? I will, I wish, I want. Right, I need this is a whole physical physicality, right? So the generator moves, but in space, it's not the generator that moves, it is the will, the wish, the want, the wondering, the, the you know, what I mean, that's what's going on out there. So, all of the bad self images and all the good self images and all the stuff having to do with women and the feminine that was what was going out that, and that's why it's be called it was called the chaos. Now the chaos create uh, also will wish, willing wishing wanting is is that reaching. Remember the arms on Kali. The arms on Kali was the reaching. You reach out when you reach what you reach for, right, becomes what hurts you. Right. Go back to Buddha. All life is suffering. Right. And Suffering is caused by desire. Desire is what you reach for, right? And this is what's going on. This is what started the universe, the desire, the will, the wish that I want. 
Still, there's no body, still, there's no location, still, there's no identity, there's no I am. <clears throat> but this energy started to move. And once the energy started to move, once the energy started to move, then there could be consciousness, but it was still pre-consciousness because it didn't have a location. The location is I am, okay? This is you're thinking in the vastness of space, hundreds and trillions of light years across, okay? Then the energy started to move. And when the energy started to move, it was electric. And it, when electricity moves, it becomes magnetic. It has a magnetic sheath. The magnetic, so the, the electric is a masculine, the magnetic is a feminine. And think of something, uh, think of magnetic, uh, a rivers of electric life force energy moving across the universe, right? And it's contained by a magnetic field. And you can look it up, look at a magnetic fields in galaxies, magnetic fields in superclusters of galaxies. And you can see these rivers of magnetic fields. And in that magnetic field is this electric current. Now, when you, there's, and it's like, it's like a river of electricity, but it's also consciousness and life force. What happens is the magnetic field, which is the will, the wish, the want, sometimes the, the magnetic field gets stronger. And when it gets stronger, it compresses. So you have something like a thousand, thousand light years across and it get, gets compressed down to a hundred light years across, right? And what this does is takes the volume of electricity and makes it denser. And that increases the amperage, increases the power in a smaller space. And at, cert at a certain point, it reaches ignition. When it reaches ignition, it explodes. And when it explodes, this life, this invisible dark matter, dark energy, life force, when it explodes, that is the emergence of God. Okay. And later on in physicality, that is the emergence of stars because wherever this magnetic field is, wherever these things pinch down, that's what, start, that's what creates the stars and galaxies. But the first one was a compression of the life force energy that was moving because of the chaos, because of the will, wish, and want, which is the woman, created light, uh, the light of life, which was God. God is the my God is the living God. God is the lot, God of life. The light and the life are one, right? So it's a light of life. Okay, I don't know if you follow all that stuff because this this took a couple of trillion years to happen. But once once the once the light was ignited from the great mother's desire, that pushed the light pushed out into the darkness. Now the mother wanted a companion. She wanted an other. She wanted a mate. She wanted a connection. She wanted she wanted something more than just alone, a being loneliness, right? So she wanted that. So when this explosion, explosion of light happened, the first thing that happened was the destructive, the destructive explosion of life, the destruction, 
right? The, the damaging. And this hit the mother, boom, and hit the mother and started to, it started to kill her, right? And pushed her away because this, thing, this light was filling up the whole universe. It was just an enormous living light that filled up the whole universe. And she fell back and fell back and fell back. And the first damaging light, the damaged light was Lucifer. And Lucifer, it was like about, it was when God emerged from the darkness and took form as light, the first light was Lucifer and Lucifer was rage of, you had no right to do this, get away, you're murdering me, I, I don't wanna wake up, I'll kill you, I'll eliminate you, you're, you're evil, right? Because it was the darkness and, she, and that's what hit her and where it hit her, where it hit her was in the heart, in her heart of the unborn future child that she would have and all of the future children that she would have. And she fell, she fell, she fell, she fell, she fell to her death. And her, and, and her death was so painful. This was so painful for her because of the first contact with who she was wishing and wanting to love, the night, the, the, the shining light on the hill, right? The, the great masculine energy, right? She was falling to her death that pain was so great she didn't want her children to have that light to have that pain it was too much for her so she covered up the pain of her own death inside of her okay and that's where we are now from this you get date rape, you get man and woman abuse, you get uh, heartlessness, heartlessness, you get, uh, you know, all this, all the evil that was created in the world was because of this uh, explosion into consciousness and into light. And, and the first light was Lucifer. And then that pain of the mother who was who was she was generating remember she generated the light and then that that light killed her right it basically killed her and she fell 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 and when she did that she covered up the pain and that is why we suffer death our death is a slowing down of energy until you die okay but in this dynamics what happened was when God awoke, right? First of all, he couldn't see any light. All he saw was, he couldn't see any darkness. All he saw was his light. And this perturbance that he had of waking up out of reverie, which was the void. He was in the void in meditation, right? To come out of that reverie, he didn't want to come out of that reverie. And his rage went out before him and did this damage to the mother of everything. That's why we have this issue between men and women and men are seen as superior to women and women are second grade and second and children are even worse and all that kind of stuff. All those issues that we have came from this. <clears throat> so date rape, women are no good. Uh, you know, this is all the stuff that manifests evil in our life. 
is caused is caused by this inequality or the hatred towards the mother, hatred towards the the woman, the not acknowledging her value, because God could not see her value. And this was in the first creation. Okay, we're in the we're in the second creation now. This all happened in the first creation, which is the first emergence. And and in this, you had uh, four principles. You had basically five principles. You have had God and Lucifer, right? And then you had the mother of everything. And inside the mother of everything, you had the heart of creation, which is most people think of as Christ, right? And then the other one you had was the father of manifestation, which is God's body. So the father, God of form, and the heart of creation, right? That is our spirit, our heart, our will, and our body, form. Everything is the form of, comes from the father of manifestation. So what happened was, this is before the Godhead was created, right? What happened was, is these are the players and God, God did not have a childhood, and Lucifer did not have a childhood. He just went to instant beingness. <clears throat> and this thing about Lucifer is he didn't even recognize Lucifer because Lucifer went back inside him, just like when your rage goes out and then you bring it back in. So he didn't even acknowledge Lucifer, right? And Lucifer was just sitting there. But Lucifer was imprinted with, I'm the first light, I'm the first voice. I'm the God of creation. That's where Lucifer comes in. Uh, keep in mind, while I'm talking about the beginning of creation, that we have Luciferian cults, satanic worshipers, killing of kids, okay? Mm. And this, what I'm saying is this stuff echoes all the way back to the beginning of creation. And this is important to know because what we're doing now is what we heal now, what we reach now, is in the second creation and the beginning of the third creation we're in, in the beginning of the third creation is god is doing his healing work because he cannot exist because remember the mother of everything generated the light and without her generating the light his creation turns to shit it doesn't work a man cannot generate life by himself he needs the woman or else no life actually happens all he does is survive and be you know whatever he does like a caveman or something but you know i mean it's not really uh what it's all about so it took a long 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 time for god's light to dim because the mother was in bad shape she couldn't she was like beyond able to even wish and want or have love or any of that kind of stuff she was shot out and everything's calmed down when everything calmed down the magnetic the uh, magnetic uh, shifting stopped and when that stopped then the electric current slowed down and when the electric current slowed down god's light started to dim and dim and dim and dim and get colder so the beginning of the second creation, which was the creation of the Godhead, is uh, when he went when he went to find the mother and embrace her, and you know, and then the first time he he actually 
he started, what happened is he actually started to sink. He lost his place in this magnetic field. This, this start, it dissipated and it lost its place and he fell down and eventually he found her. And when he found her, it was a real gentle touch, right? And then her energy ignited his again and he kind of understood and, and then sort of brought her back to life and he, he brought back to life. And that began the beginning of the, of the, uh, of the Godhead because the first child of them of the fa uh, the first child of the father and the mother was heart, the heart of creation, which we think of as Christ. And in, there's other beings out there, but basically that's the that's the archetype, is Christ. Christ, who had been hit in the heart himself. Okay, it's a long roundabout ex explanation, but you need to know that everything that's going on now is completely connected to God and the Godhead because there is no other, right? We're all gods in hiding. Mm. Okay, this brings us to the number one issue on earth now. This is two, two actually. The number one issue on earth is heartlessness. Things done without heart. Every all the crime, all the corruption, all the greed, all the pain, all the suffering, it all is a manifestation of heartlessness, of heart not being present. Okay? Yeah. Parents not being parent, good parents to their children, and bullies, and wars, and dictators, and psychopaths, and narcissists, and all this stuff is just heartlessness. Governments not taking care of the people, creating perpetual war, that's heartlessness. We only have one real energy, real issue, and that's heartlessness. But the, the heartlessness comes from and is generated by not having a good childhood, not having a nurturing good childhood. And if you go back to the beginning of creation, where this explosion happened, right, God didn't have a chance to start small and grow and mature and come to realize himself and become who he's meant to be. He just exploded. So he had no childhood and Lucifer had no childhood, right? And this went on, okay, this went on in, until, here's how it goes. It goes God and then God and the mother, right? And every time they get together, they manifest something. And the first thing they manifest was, was the Christ consciousness, was the heart of creation, the heart of the universe. So <clears throat> God, the mother, get together, heart of the universe. Then it was the upper angel, the upper, the, the what it was, the ancient ones that guard the light, right? They were, a, they were a race of beings. They're just kind of around God. They're like these kind of God-like figures. And then it was the upper archangels, then the archangels, then the first, second, third, and fourth order of emergence of angels, and then the cherubs and seraphims. And then after them came all the orders of, of, of earth spirits, of, of uh, manifested spirits. They were they called the rainbow spirits. There's all the different colors. And uh, the last ones were the Roman locos, which were the black people. So it wasn't until the way it was meant to be right, was the father and mother gets together, they love each other, and they love the child, yeah, 
and they grow and nurture the child and it's like it's a big deal it's you know it's wonderful right that's the way it's meant to be that didn't happen until uh you know like it doesn't really happen so much in the animal kingdom but there's it's the hints of it are there until human beings got there right and that happened after the fall from heaven the fall from grace and what what happened in 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 the godhead was all each one of these emergence of each one of these beings uh was like an orgasm was like a manifestation but remember heart had heart heart had issues so that's how lucifer could get in there and, and because there wasn't really enough heart presence to hold it all together it started to become like our society we had assholes we had people backbiting and all this kind of stuff was going on there and that's why you had the some of the angels went towards lucifer and all these angels had identity fucking problems because there was no females there there was just males so they didn't know like who do you, you love is a homosexual thing or what do you do and or do they take up the daughters of, of some other class of people right because the first sex uh, two sexes didn't happen till the cherubs and seraphim anyway all that stuff happens Anyway, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm clear enough, or maybe I should just cut it off here. But everything that happens to us is in the direct flow from the first creation to the second creation to the to the. There was a, a war in heaven, by the way. There was a war in heaven. It was also a domestic dispute. It was a domestic violence, and then mother, the great mother of everything, her identity came and ended up on Earth, and that's why Earth is such a cool place because. This is Mother Earth, which happens to be the wife and mother of God. And that's why all the ETs come and hanging around and like trying to figure out how to fix this thing. But the good news is that God has figured out that he's an asshole. And God <laughs> has figured out that, uh, you know, he was involved. He, he, he for this whole time, right? From the beginning of earth, from the beginning of the Godhead, God wasn't taking responsibility for his creation. He was saying, you people are being rebellious. You people aren't doing what I wanted. You say he was, he was like, he didn't see that his denials of his rage and his suffering and his Luciferian involvement and his hand of, of uh, creating wars, the war in heaven, the first, the first fight happened was like the devastation of the mother was like a war the battle of the sexes the second war in heaven uh happened over christ and happened over the mother it was like a domestic violence and then that got imprinted in everybody and since then it's been almost like continuous war here on earth you know what i'm saying that's not that's not us that was from the energy of the that was imprinted from the first creation to the second creation until now who we are so kind of a big deal when you stop war even for a weekend you know what i mean <laughs> because it gives people a chance to heal and that's kind of like one of the side effects of the donald trump thing i'm just trying to catch you up to to how emotional healing is connected to everything and uh and uh and, and including exactly what's happening now right yeah. inner child is a suffering the suffering of an inner child is in the subconscious which is in the underground tunnels of our own subconscious we have you know and and we use that pain and suffering to become 
an artist or become a, a magnet or become powerful or become whatever, right? We're using that pain of that broken child to aggrandize our life. We don't dress that so that we can be our persona. You see what I'm saying? It's the same shit that's going on out here. It's going on inside of us. We just don't recognize the connection. Our people who are suffering in the street is our own fear and rage and our own suffering, right? So we, do, we suppress and deny our own suffering of, or, or fear of being uh, poor or being homeless. And, our, and those rich people push down on that so hard that it actually ma manifests out into the actual suffering of starving people. There's a, everything's connected. Yeah, makes sense. So in the long story short, I don't know if you can follow all this stuff. It's a bit much to take in. But the long story short is in the 1940s, God figured out that he had to take responsibility for everything and stop blaming us, his creation. Remember that After time of the flood and all that stuff? He's, oh, you guys are all messed up, you know, so I'm going to kill you all and all that, right? Well, in the 1940s, he saw that he was involved in this World War II business and that he had to change because he, because he saw his denied rage in Hitler. Hitler was a manifestation of God's denied rage. So Hitler was God denied rage. And that's, and, you know, and then the denied rage of all these Luciferians shit going on, he had to take responsibility for it. And that was the beginning of psychology. And that was the beginning of emotional healing work on the planet. Remember, Freud, Jung, and all those guys in the 1940s figuring all that kind of stuff out. Yeah. So we've got a lot of help. So, so it's this whole convergence of a whole lot of stuff. But you, you have to, uh, it's important to break that God barrier that it's not me and, and then God out there. God is in me as me. So what I heal inside of me is God's final healing. And this is important to know because everything is already done in the Godhead. It's done deal, right? God and the mother are back together. Heart's getting his heart fixed. You know, what, 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 why do I say heart had issues, right? Remember Christ got himself crucified. Here's the, here's the, the son of God getting himself crucified. This is not normal. We've killed a lot of our prophets, haven't we? Yeah, it's like prophets take a beating. Everybody takes a beating, you know. And then uh, one of the last incarnations that they had that he had was was Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King got himself shot. He knew he was going to get shot, and he got himself shot. That's heartlessness. Mm -hmm. That's because we haven't had heart healed, and we haven't had heart healed because God didn't heal his heart and his wife's heart, his mates child's heart he, you know he was he's been the absent father like we have absent god or a god that doesn't look at england's a good example they're just like they're fed up well fuck this god shit i mean it's like well, i don't even play that game anymore you know they don't care you know what i mean <laughs> they don't care about religion they don't care about god it's just, just as better be atheist people fucking hate god hate him with a fucking passion yeah <clears throat> and because they say, well, why is there suffering? Why is there cancer? Why is there disease? Why is there, why is there uh, war and poverty? And why is there all this oppression and communism and 
mass murder. You know what I mean? Because at some point you got to say, "Look, God's God's involved in it," and and we and we teach ourselves, "Oh, it's it's man. It's not God. It's man." It's like you know. So we put it off on God. We we become powerless, or we take it on ourselves, and then uh, then we then but we still isolate from God. No, there is no separation. No separation. Remember. The ground of being is absolute inclusivity, absolute inclusivity and unconditional love. And, and if it's not inclusive, that means there's me, there's you, there's God, there's all these other things. These are all these in separate entities. That's not the truth. There's only one. Yeah, it's inclusive. I have to include everything inside of me. My pain is the pain of all creation. So do you mean kind of like... <clears throat> We need to take responsibility for what's happening around us because we're part of it. No. You can recognize that that's you, but you have to take responsibility for what is inside you. Right? It is your kingdom, your Godhead. The kingdom of heaven is within, and you, you find what is Luciferian inside you, what is traumatic inside you, what is suffering inside you, what is perpetuated what is the generational trauma right what 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 is the ancestral trauma get rid of that stuff and, and you know and when you heal that basically what you do what you are is of all the rays of light you're that one ray of light and when you heal yourself you you repurify that light back to its factory settings <coughs> but that connection <coughs> because of quantum physics right Particles are connected. It's called entanglement. Particles connected are called, are called entanglement. It's two kinds of entanglement. One entanglement is uh, natural entanglement, right? And the other one is discord, entangled discord. And entangled discord is what we suffer from. So when you when you balance out, it, you, you discharge your charge, right? undischarged traumatic stress when you discharge your charge you clean all that stuff out right then you get back to natural entanglement and that natural entanglement is connected to all the natural people all the people in the world so what we're seeing now is is i don't know if you you how wide of a scope you have with the healers on the planet but there's all kind of healing modalities all kind of reiki kind of stuff all kind of chakra cleaning and all kind of past life regression and all kind, all that kind of stuff, right? This is the result of the stuff we were doing in the 90s and the 80s when we started doing our healing work is that, is that, uh, you know, God's final healing radiates out. And now it's like every, every rock and, and, and telephone has got healers on it. You know what I mean? Mm. Because that's what's going on. We're actually healing uh our godlike energy inside of us and that's why it's a really cool thing to do and that's also why you can't tell anybody to do it yeah. you know and, and it's really dirty pool to say oh you're gonna get a martini with a little uh you know with a little umbrella on it you know and you're gonna be sitting on the beach when you heal that's that's fake as fuck that's not gonna happen yeah. you know all you're gonna do is have the car running right Step on the brakes and gas pedal and the steering wheel and the wheels, they're all running good. That's what's that's what you're gonna get without pain. 
the end of suffering and the return of life loving life. That's what the result is. Remember when you were kids and we loved life? That's what that's all you get. That's pretty good, but you know, you, you don't get you don't get the vacation in, in, in Tahiti. That's not what's that's not what it's about. You don't get fireworks. Yeah. Nice mate. That's a really nice way to end it. I think um you've explained that in a lot of detail. I'm gonna have to watch it back because there's a lot in there. But, uh, yeah, I'm really glad I got a chance to say this because um and you ask, well, how does this guy know this? Mm. <laughs> well, think of a remote viewing, right? Think of remote viewing. You, you, you've heard of that, right? Remote yeah, viewing. Can you just um, explain to my guests what it is? Because I know you explained it to me on the phone. Okay, remote viewing is, is, is a business, a business, right? And the business is to see into the future and see into the past and to different locations. And, to and you can record what's going on. If you get five people in a re remote viewing and they have this, and they're trained a little bit, right? They can have a 95% success rate where you can see into the future or see into the past or into now in any location on earth or in, a, in outer space. So the way that works, the way that works is you know, it's like a double blind thing. There's a guy who wants to know the information. He, he has a thought in his head and he writes down a bunch of numbers and gives it to another guy. And another guy uh, doesn't know what's in that thing and, and doesn't even know what the topic is. And he hands it to each one of the remote viewers. So those three guys back is the guy who, who asked the question and they go about uh, making drawings and figuring stuff out and feeling right. And then, and then, then that whole, whole picture of what it is, like a submarines and in uh, in russia or uh you know a gold mine in siberia or you know or a, or a coup that's going to go on and you know they, they got all stuff figured out you can see the future you can see the past in any location in time and space now how does remote viewing work and this is like a couple of billion dollar a year industry because the mining people use remote viewers the politicians use remote viewers the the uh Military uses remote viewers, and uh, and archaeologists use them. Treasure hunters use them. You see what I'm saying? And people want to predict the future. They all use these remote viewers. So that's why it's big money. You know, it's stocks going up and down. They they'll they'll tell you. I might have to retry. But Liffy, I I listened to this interview from one of the one of the leaders of the remote viewers. He said, you know, they call it remote viewing but it's not remote and it's not viewing. He said, it's a feeling inside. So every single human, and the thing about remote viewing, the reason why it's a low fruit on the tree is every single person ever tested can do remote viewing with this protocol. It's like universal. So that means, that means inside me, a feeling inside of me can be in any place at any time right backwards in time forwards in time any place on earth any place on mars any place on the sun any place in the universe any place in the galaxy and any time and that's how i know what i know it's a memory yeah. i have a memory it's not like it's not like a it's, it's a memory of what actually happened and the, and the reason why like i go back to like this meditation thing is when I went inside of me and I looked at what happened 
and I followed it back and followed it back and followed it back. It didn't know it always ended up in the Godhead and then it ended up, you know, and then this whole memory of the first creation and the memory of the second creation, which is the Godhead, and then the, you know, the earth. I think we're going to go into the third creation, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, so that's how it works. Amazing, very powerful tool. Now you're well, remote, remote viewing, yeah. Yeah. Well, the point, and the reason why it works is because of absolute inclusivity. We there is no place that we there's no place that we're not included. There's no place that's not we're not connected to. There's no time that we're not connected. That's the ground of being, is absolute inclusivity and unconditional love. Okay, that's the ground of being. And from that, I'm connected to you and I'm connected to all the people who listen and all, all of my fans and friends and, and uh, people who hate me. I'm connected to all of them because there's really only one thing. Niels Bohr said one time, he said, the, the number of minds in the universe is one. You know what I mean? Mm. So, and we have this thing called the Akashic Records, which has the record of everything. It's recorded. And we're, re we're like a recording device. And what's good is when you, what blocks the memory is pain. When we, we have pain and when we deny it, we su suffocate it, we suppress it. When we suppress our pain, we suppress our memory. Because suppression doesn't, you can't just suppress pain, it suppresses everything, right? So it represses your past, represses your future, represses everything. So you can't have access to it. You denial is, you know, that's the way denial works. But as soon as you, when you go into your own pain, when you go into your own suffering, when you look at the darkness and you heal it, you get your memories back. That's how it works. You get your memories back of who you are, what's going on in the world. And gradually, that's what's happening here. We're actually seeing that with the internet and everything, and it's people are getting their memories back. Oh, I had a lifetime in Egypt. Oh, oh, I think I was in France at one other lifetime, and they're getting their memories back. You say, oh, I have a past life. I had a past life regression, and and oh, and this and this happened, you know. And I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're getting our memories back. Yeah. So maybe I'm just a little bit like a couple of days ahead of the curve, maybe, but. I, I, I'm not any better than anybody. Everybody's got this. You know yeah. what I mean? And the reason why I'm bringing this forward now is because if you have this understanding of the first creation, the second creation, and that we are involved, we are engaged in God's final healing, right? Then a whole lot of shit makes sense. Like I said, all the stuff that goes on in the political world, the coronavirus, the, the adrenochrome, the Satanist, and all that kind of stuff, it all makes sense, right? but all pretty much only from this perspective because if you start taking it apart and looking at it individually instead of it's all one thing it's like really confusing you know yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like yeah broadening out and looking at it as a whole picture yeah. rather than this is one of the biggest pictures you can look at it as you know what i mean the biggest as far isn't it yeah. pretty much yeah and there's hope there you know because the ground of being is absolute inclusivity and unconditional love. That means we live in a loving universe. That means it's going to go back to a loving universe. 
And if if this whole drama that's happened in the first creation and the second creation is what it takes for God to grow up, you know, uh, and recover his childhood, then that's, we don't we can't imagine what we can't imagine what's going to actually happen because it's as much darkness as there is right now there's incredible amount of light there's a whole re uh re organizing rejuvenation of people who are going to take care of kids in a dramatically radically different way there's the whole uh aces connection people the people who are you know changing their communities to 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 bring about healing towards kids and living and making them so they're not traumatized it's going to be a whole different re reality than what we have now i'm having a child in may actually yeah. having a child. congratulations one of the things that'd be really good to do is to say to the child at some point when they're very young take them for the walk and say that tree you belong to that tree and that tree belongs to you this earth this earth belongs to you and you belong to earth and just connect that child up to everything to everything because it's, it, our identity here's the thing about identity right i'm mike harrell and i have this education and i have this amount of money and this stuff happened in my life and this is who i am but who you are also defines who you're not right if, if, if I ask a normal person, are you in this microphone? You'll say, no. Are you this chair? Are you this chair? They'll say, no. Are you the wall? No. Are you the ceiling? No. Are you the earth? No. And you go on and on and on and on defining who you're not until it gets pretty damn depressing. You know what I mean? And it's not true. We're everything. And to feel connected to everything, to feel part of that web of life, that's a good thing. You know what I mean? It, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's not this exclusive. We're not exclusive beings. We're infinite and immortal in what was never created. We're not these exclusive identities, lone ranger. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. We're individuated collective. Yeah. Cool. Very interesting stuff. So uh, any questions or is that is that enough? Because I got I I, didn't, I I don't know if there's anything else that there's no. a lot more stuff you could uh, talk about. Well, yeah, I'm just uh, conscious about the time because we've done over two hours. There was one little thing I wanted to talk about. I say a little. It's a very big thing, but um, I was hoping we'd go into politics a little bit because I know you're from Georgia. There's been a lot of controversy going on the voting scandal and whatnot uh some people think that's true others not what's the kind of uh sentiment in georgia and what are your thoughts on that what's going on in georgia mm. uh georgia has got a really high percentage of black people mm. and um and it's also one of the places that carries the wound of slavery mm. and uh, and the apartheid the uh the institutionalized and government sanctioned um, separation between the whites and the blacks and they carry it the most so in some ways the black people in georgia are are america's deepest wound 
wherever you have those, you know, there's the American Indians carry the deep wound, very deep wounds. And the, uh, and the African, African people and the black people in, in the South all carry very deep wounds and they, and they politicize it. So um, their wounds are so deep that they actually are, are now are carrying more of the, they're actually, because of the law of attraction, they actually see more uh, racial issues, right? Racism, they see it more and it manifests more because of their wounds. And so that's on, and on a political level, uh, they, they don't have any, they can't, they can't comprehend that, that the election was stolen. For them, every election has been stolen. So, you know, the, the, and they, they've been traditionally Democrats, so, the, so now the Democrats have kind of won and they, they feel good about it. And, and so they want to feel good about this election well, at the same time, the whole thing's tainted or rotten and it's, and it's shit, right? Yeah. But they don't want to hear that. They just want to hear that we won, right? Because they need, they need a winning, yeah. you know? So that's kind of the way I see it. Yeah, it's like over here, <clears throat> everyone's celebrating like, oh, yes, Trump's out. Like, at least Trump's out. It's like, how is that going to improve your life? No, <laughs> uh, I mean Trump was the the only thing the, the only thing about Trump. I, I didn't particularly like Trump, but mm. he he stopped the war and he and he started to put pride put pride back into America. So people started to think about starting businesses and in America. He sort of defended this crazy trade deals that we got and those kind of things, which really doesn't impact me a lot, but it it just gives hope yeah. more. And uh, whereas Barack Obama was just like just a nightmare, he continually had wars, and he was continually selling our stuff off, and so was so was Clinton's, just made terrible trade deals and gutted America. We have more people. Look, we got more people living on the street now than than uh, I don't know. It's just crazy, you know. That that that's not the way that America was. America always had enough middle class for everybody to be working. But then, you know, they, they, they did this thing with the conglomerates, right? There was a time when we couldn't have monopolies, right? And they did away with that. And then the conglomerates just went and bought everything up. So every TV station, every radio station, every shopping mall, every, every store outlet, and they were all got like bought up into these conglomerates. And that gutted America. You know, so I, I like that about him. I mean, I still don't trust him. I think he's he's kind of like a borderline psychopath. But mm, yeah. you know, but but the idea that he stopped the wars, he stopped engaging in new wars and pulled back five or ten percent of the troops and stuff, but they weren't actively engaged in killing people anymore. That's been a long time coming for me. So that's uh, about the first time in about fifty years, isn't it? Uh, it's the first time there was four years connected in in, in about a hundred years. Mm. You know, four four years. Commendable on, on its own, isn't it? Which people seem to miss. It's what? I said that's commendable by itself, which people seem to miss. Well, again, remember the wars in heaven. Mm. 
So anytime you have a wars, a wars in heaven manifest as the wars on earth. And what goes on in the wars on earth, God's on our side. God's on our side. No, God's on our side, right? It's the same shit. Mm. You know what I mean? So anytime you have the wars end, you know, it's a good thing. Yeah. And, and so he was closing off the borders and doing those kind of things. A lot of people's controversy. And, and uh, but it gives a lot of people more pride and patriotism and and make America great again, make put Americans first, because that wasn't happening. It was like, you know, everybody is a, so I think that's good. I'm not really sure what's going on with this coronavirus. To me, it's a bioweapon. Yeah, I agree. And it's an act of war. And the war was against the middle class and to, to enculturate people into slavery, into obedience in the name of good, you know? I agree. But I think it's going to backfire eventually. Maybe I'm just... I hope so. I just saw a video today about some people who were in Washington, D.C., and they were watching these vans and buses carrying people around. And uh, they're thinking, and it was like at, at night or something, they're thinking that uh, a bunch of people started to get arrested. And there was four or five buses and all these vans and police cars and stuff. It was going on all night, so who knows? We'll find out. We'll find out eventually. Yeah. But the way America goes is going to be the way the rest of the world goes. Mm. You what, know. Why do you think that is? Just because of the just it just oh. we're just big, you know. Uh, the EU has so many. You, you know, the your countries are a little bit like the states, yeah. right? Yeah. But um, if the United States goes down, and you don't really have anybody, you know, to be like in. England against the the world, or France against the world, or Italy against the world. You know, it's that's that's a hard hard one to pull off. Yeah, it'd be like yeah. Georgia against the world. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Nah, interested times there. Yeah, see how it plays out. I'm not worried. I think it's because, uh, like I said, God the father and God, the mother have gotten back together and patched things up, so to speak. And we are both God, the father and God, the mother's children and mother earth, Gaia Sophia, you know, um, loves her children. And this is supposed to be, uh, do you ever, did you ever remember, do you ever remember the land of Pan? Do you have any memories of that? Is that the land of what? The land of Pan, it's like there's, you know, there was uh, Atlantis and there was Lemuria. And before that, there was yeah. other stuff. And then there was the land of Pan. Yeah, my friend teaches uh, a lecture on that. Well, I, I yeah. can't remember Pan. I remember Lumeria, Atlantis. Yeah. Well, the land of Pan, we didn't have the same sun as we had now. Oh, it's, land of, it's further out. The land of Pan, our sun was... Saturn. Mm. Saturn. As a matter of fact, we're not from this solar system and we're not from this galaxy. We're from another solar system in another galaxy. And they met like this. And the Saturn was our sun of that solar system. And we were a planet of that solar of that sun. And it was a brown dwarf and the planets, our planet and a few others were inside the Corona. Right? 
So that means we had light coming from every direction, but it was really soft, reddish, glowish light. And we were energy beings, so we could fly and we could manifest things and we could, you know, it was pretty much magic and innocent and things of, think of fairies and gnomes and, you know, and just having fun and all that kind of stuff. That's what the land of Pan was. Yeah. But I think we, we're going to, we might get some of that back. Is that where Peter Pan comes from? Then I'm guessing. Yeah. Pan, Pan was the, Pan was the God. Pan was the father of manifestation. Remember the body form, the God of form. Pan was the God of form, but he was physically on earth in this guy, this like uh, half goat, half man kind of a thing. We're just having fun there. So form. But yeah, well, that's, that's another thing that's going, that's another thing that was going on. It's like, we've had a rough, rough ride because we started off in another, in another solar system, part of another galaxy and got basically taken over by this much bigger sun. And remember that current that, that drives everything, the current from the electric life, the magnetic electric life, that current is what lights up the sun. And that's why the planets are all on a plane is because of the magnetic field of the of the current that comes into the to sun to light it up so if our sun changes we know because a good whatever goes on with the sun has to do with the current that's coming in and the current that coming in sets the vibrational tone for, and the amount of density that we have and stuff like that and you think that affects consciousness as well Consciousness is the feeling of energy and all energy has feelings. So if the vibrational energy that you're feeling goes up, your consciousness goes up. If you if you pull your energy up, let's say you do ayahuasca, the energy goes up, your consciousness goes up. You do LSD or you do drugs or you do meditation or you change your, you change your energy, you change your consciousness. So for sure. And that, that's why astrology works. That's why tarot cards work. That's why all these kind of things work is because they're just, uh, you know, the, the planets, planets are very cool people. I don't know if you ever have, you ever talked to a planet? I had a planet say hello to me one time. It was like, that was awesome. My girlfriend would probably like to talk to you about that. She's an astrologer. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is the reason how astrology came is because at one time we could talk to this, the planets and they would tell us what's up mm. and you know it was the personality of the planets that kind of gave us the personalities of this astrological charts and people could figure all that kind of stuff out but the land of pan we didn't have that because there was no there was there was no night and there was no time mm. so it was called the time before time right and there was no stars because we were illuminated inside the corona. You know, the corona was just really big, even though the star was small. <clears throat> so we were inside the corona. But then we got sort of like this war of the worlds things happen. And, and then when the energy from Saturn, right, got taken over, the energy that, that, that made Saturn a star shifted over to the sun. And then Saturn went down and when it went down in energy it couldn't hold the planet Earth anymore in orbit because of the energy of magnetic energy. 
So we went, we went wandering around in space, and that's where the ice ages and stuff came from. And but on Earth, that was the beginning of time for us, because then then we were spinning, and we had this sun coming up and going down, and we had these stars and stuff, and we made astrological, we put rocks around so we could figure out when the seasons were going and what were the cycles and stuff. That that all happened from from the Saturn to now. You know, that's why all around the the world you have these stone hinges and these these astronomical little buildings and stuff. They're trying to figure out what's all this with the stars and what's going on with the seasons and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So everybody everybody remembers this stuff. I'm just telling this stuff so that people can remember a little bit. You know. Yeah. Now everything you've said makes a lot of sense. What planet did you talk to? I don't know. She came in. I was talking to a. I was given a, a vision by some Sasquatch friends of mine. I was given a vision of of unity consciousness. Those guys are those guys are major players too. They've been around. They they were the first humans. They've been here before we were. They were actually on Earth before we took physical form. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they never fell. So. They never fell from the land of Pan. They never fell from the. They never fell from grace. That's why they can go invisible and stuff. Very well. I was initiated into a meditation by one too, and his initiation was as equal to a, the perfect master. That was pretty good. So I've had three initiations in my life: one from the living perfect master Premawat, one from the mother of everything, which was pretty outrageous i'm one of the few people i've ever heard of that actually saw the mother of everything and one from the hanuman clan the sasquatch clan heartlight meditation basically breath how to how to follow your breath into your heart and focus on your heart until it glows is that part of language lessons of the heart? Because I'd like to give that a go. I have it in there, like I have it in, in, on another list, but it's it's not actually. I don't promote meditation. I want to promote cleaning the soul out, right? Because there's so much that we almost everything we do is to spiritual bypass. We drink, we sage, we play drums. I mean, this anything that you can imagine to keep from going into the heart locker. We do all that stuff, so it's all kind of like this spiritual bypass. And uh, you know, you want to meditate. Well, why do you want to meditate? Because you're fucking in pain, and you want to end the pain. You know what I mean? So you use the meditation, and this is what I did. I use the meditation as sort of like a, it's like a pure drug, kind of a the holistic drug or something. Yeah, unless you face your pain, unless you face your pain. you know, you're just playing games. You know, what I mean, you're just putting it off. That's why most people don't do any healing till they get in their 30s and 40s, because they, you know, they still want to. They still want to go out and play, and you know. They don't want to do the dirty work. Yeah, and God bless them. Maybe they don't have to. I don't. I don't recommend it for anybody because you have. It's a spiritual thing. You have to feel like you need it. Mm. You know. And be ready, do you think? Well, the thing about your denials is you don't have to go seeking your denials. Your denials will come and get you. 
Mm. You know what I mean? They come and get you. Like I said, I was I was happy meditating underneath the tree, and next thing I know, three months later, I'm on my hands and knees with snot coming out of my nose, screaming. You know what I mean? Bawling and stuff. Right? <laughs> what? <laughs> that that came just came and got you because that's, you know. Uh, The ground of being is absolute inclusivity and unconditional love. And when you're in pain and a void of love, that is such an exclusive thing. It is such a narrow thing. It's such a, uh, an isolated thing, a, a bifurcated split thing, that for that to exist, the whole of the universe will collapse in on to bring light, to bring energy, to bring compassion to that. You know what I mean? Because that's that's a hole in the fabric of the universe there that, you know, it just can't be. It can't exist forever. So, so suffering does not last. It has a beginning. It will have an end. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe not this lifetime, you know, but it will have an end for sure. Absolutely will have an end. All he, everybody heals. Everybody, everybody heals, right? You know, and if you got to spend a couple of lifetimes, uh, you know, doing Reiki on each other and then before you get to the real stuff, go ahead. It's not going to, you know, it's all good. Yeah, no rush. Yeah. No. The only rush is your, own, is, is your own pain. As soon as you understand the game, you have a spirit, heart, will, and body. And, if you, and, and to know that your inner child is, in fact, that tortured child that's being peeled alive inside your soul, right? Yeah. What would you do? What would you not do to stop that child from being hurt? What would you not do? What would you not accomplish? What would hold you back from actually rescuing that child who is in perpetual pain? that we don't have to feel because our brain doesn't have any pain sensors. Mm -hmm. But when you go down in there and you feel it, what would you not do? You have to, you have to stop the pain of that child. It's your child, it's you, right? And that's what the, you handed your divinity upon ending your pain. You're not the king of your of your kingdom if you allow these principalities and these imaginations and all these things that perpetually are feeding off of the suffering of your child, a dead baby, you know, that's inside you. You got you got to do it. You know what I mean? There's no way around it. So anyway, I, maybe let's just leave it on that everything is eventually going to return back to love. Yeah, just to just to finish up. Uh, can you just let us know any services that you have to offer? We can maybe leave some links down below. Um, well, I just have I have the I have a um, my Facebook group, Language Lessons of the Heart Facebook group. That'd be a good that'd be a good one, and you can look that up. Yeah, I think you're even in that group. So, yeah. the, and you know, I don't, I'm not selling anything. You know, like I said, if you if you are in pain then that's a good place to start you know uh but listen i like drumming and i like sage and crystals and you know and uh, drinking smoothies and stuff but 
this is that's not what I do. It's if you're in pain, I teach you how to do it. And uh, and I'm not I, I don't tell anybody to do it. I don't say you got to do your work. I'm not going to remind anybody because this is an adult. This is an adult. This is a spiritual adult thing to do. Yes. So language lessons are hard on you on Facebook, and you're good to go. Awesome. So yeah, I'll, I'll drop that link down below. And remember, we're all going to make it. You know what I mean? There's no not making it, and there's no. It's it's already happening. You know what I mean? Because of like a remote viewing, not yes. only can you go to any place in time and space, but also any state of consciousness, any connection with any being. So there's not anything that you're lacking. As soon as you put it out there, if I want to go to this way or that way, you know, that collapses the wave function. You've already got it inside you. It's already there. You know what I mean? The enlightenment is there. The God is there. Everything is already there already. Yeah. And it's, and it's done in love. You know, we got a loving universe. That's the bottom line. Beautiful stuff and a very positive message to end. So yeah, thank you so much, Michael. We're doing two and a half hours and learned so much from you. I'm looking forward to watching it back and taking All it. All right. Back. Cool. And, and good luck with the, remember what we were talking about? Uh, you know, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you later. This is just fantastic. This is exactly pretty much what I wanted to talk about. It's important to me because most people, when I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm at the, I'm always in the first creation. Yeah. I remember that. This is what I'm talking about is I saw this stuff happen like a movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I caught a feeling that a lot of people have seen this happen. They just don't, you know, yeah. they, don't have, they don't turn in that station. You gotta be willing to look at the dark. Cool. Nice one. I'm just going to stop the recording and we can uh, carry on chatting. But thanks. All again. right. Bye, everybody. Cheers.